0: We tell the stories of those who are missing and their families. Everyone has a story. Some have resolutions, some don't. Regardless, everyone's story deserves to be told. This is If I Go Missing. I am your host, Megan, along with my co-host, Lynn. Together, we are going to be telling you the stories of missing people from around the world and Sometimes we even have their families on as guests for our show. We want to give the families a place to talk and have their story be heard. This is If I Go Missing. day a teen tells his grandmother that he had an epiphany about himself and his grandmother responded that they would talk about it later on. Whatever he meant by that was never elaborated on because the following day he mysteriously vanished and his grandma was left without answers as to what that epiphany was and what it meant for her grandson. Logan Schindelman was a high school football star who loved his family and was very personable. He appeared to have everything going for him. He was smart, popular and athletic. Raised by his maternal grandmother, Logan played football at Tumwater High School. After graduation, he completed his freshman year at Washington State University, 300 miles from home, before dropping out and moving back to live with his grandmother and half-sister. Logan Shindleman had just finished his freshman year of college, and he had spent a little too much time having fun and not enough time attending classes, and so he wasn't able to return for the fall semester of the upcoming year. Instead, he planned to get a job. Put some money in his pocket and see where the world would take him. He was on a journey of self-discovery, hoping to find his place in life and within his own community. While there, Logan worked multiple jobs, one of which was at his great aunt's five-acre farm. The morning of May 19th, 2016, Jenny Logan's grandma, was up at 7.30 a.m. to prepare for her day at work. While in the kitchen, she ran into Logan, which was unusual as he was never up that early. I mean, what college-age kid is... <laughs> Not willingly. Exactly. The two got to talking and... Logan informed his grandmother that he had had an epiphany the night before and wanted to talk about it. However, given that she needed to get to work, Jenny told her grandson that they would talk about it when she got home that evening. So Jenny returns home from work that evening and finds that Logan and his car are both missing. After a few hours, he still hadn't returned home. So she pinged his cell phone and saw that it was in Olympia, just a few miles away from where his mother's house was. Assuming he spent the night there, she didn't worry about her grandson's absence. The next day, his black. 1996 Chrysler Sebring convertible was found abandoned on Interstate 5 near Mile Marker 92 between Tumwater and Maytown, but no one would know about it for a few days. After Logan still hadn't returned home days later, Jenny decides to call his mom Hannah. On May 22, 2016, she places the call to Logan's mom. Logan's mom then tells her that she hasn't seen her son in over a week. This worried Jenny And she began to make several calls and drove around Tumwater in search of her grandson. When she couldn't find him, she went to the Thurston County Sheriff's Office to report him missing. However, it was closed, so she returned the next day to officially file the police report. While filing the police report, Jenny informed the police that Logan's car was, in fact, a 1996 black Chrysler Sebring and it was missing. His license plate was run through the system, and it was found to have been impounded by the Washington State Patrol three days prior. According to the report, the car had been found abandoned on Interstate 5 between Maytown and his hometown in Tumwater. Police let Jenny take the car home that day. When they found it, it had Logan's license, wallet, debit cards, and bags of food from a nearby gas station in it. Jenny found this unusual, so she informed the detectives. However, they were unable to process the car due to the cross-contamination it had experienced while being impounded and also being sent home with Jenny. Another concerning thing in the report about the car was a note about three nine one one calls that had been made about the car the day after Logan was last seen. A woman reported seeing Logan standing with two Caucasian men by his car, which was parked on the shoulder of the southbound interstate near exit 95. When she later drove home, she saw that the car was still parked there with the hood up. Then, around 2 p.m. that same day, three people called 911 to report a car drifting across the lanes of Interstate 5 near Milepost 92. It did not appear that anyone was driving the car, and eventually the car veered across three lanes before hitting a concrete barrier that caused it to stop. A truck driver reported seeing a Caucasian man with red-brown hair jump out of the passenger's side of the car shortly before it crashed. After exiting the vehicle, the man ran into the woods on the side of the interstate. The description of this man does not match Logan's description at all, yet it was later confirmed that the car in question was in fact Logan's. Police looked into the account, believing the mystery man had accidentally knocked the car back into gear, leading to its veering on I-5. They also searched a two-mile radius using tracking and cadaver dogs, but nothing was found. Heat-seeking aircraft was also used, but failed to locate any sign of Logan or the unknown man. Investigators then traced Logan's cell phone records to see its movements in the lead up to his disappearance. And it was found that on the day he disappeared, the phone had traveled southbound on I-5, then northbound, then southbound again before stopping where it was found. However, it's unknown if Logan was the one driving the car or if someone else had been in possession of it. After examining his cell phone records for some time, they finally got to the early morning hours of May 20th when the phone's battery died. At approximately 3 a.m. on May 21st, a 911 dispatcher received another bizarre call from a driver. The caller claimed to have seen a half-naked man walking through an area that, according to police, was known to be frequented by drug users. When the caller asked if the man had been black, The person replied, possibly. Again, police found nothing when they searched. On May 26, 2016, detectives started looking through Logan's social media, and they found a check-in from the Olympia Regional Airport. This led some to believe that he might have been trying to meet his father in Saudi Arabia, a fact that he had recently learned from his mother. Upon further investigation, it was discovered that the check-in was a year old. As the investigation drew on, police learned that Logan was troubled by his living situation at home. His sister's boyfriend had recently moved in and there was friction between the two. It was also discovered that the boyfriend had previously pleaded guilty to felony assault during a previous relationship. And the boyfriend's past intrigued investigators who brought him in to take a polygraph test, which he passed and was no longer considered a suspect. But, I mean, a polygraph test is not set in stone. No it goes based on your reactions if you're a killer mm-hmm. you can hide your emotion yeah. yeah there's a reason they call it stone face exactly yeah and i don't it's something to be um uh, considered but it to me it should not be concrete it should not be like the the ruling factor of someone's innocence or guilt yeah definitely so Investigators also learned that Logan had recently come into contact with the African-American side of his family. A year previous, he had dinner with his aunt, Tina Curray, which was the first time he associated with anyone on that side of the family. When asked about the encounter, Tina said Logan had been scared to tell Jenny of the meeting. Jenny, on the other hand, says her grandson had told her about the dinner. On June 26, 2017, Logan's family launched a renewed effort to bring in leads, putting up posters and posting all over social media, and their efforts paid off. In June of 2017, police got another call. This time, it was a woman who claimed that she saw Logan's car the day he went missing, but she said that she saw a black male standing at the rear of the vehicle on the shoulder of the road with two white men. She described one man as tall with scraggly hair and said all she could see of the second man was that he had long blonde hair. Police created a sketch of the mystery man, but so far have been unable to identify him. Since the sketch was published, no new leads have been found. While police do not have any evidence pointing to a crime having been committed, they also have none pointing to Logan still being alive, so they're continuing to ask anyone with information to call in tips. Logan's family has hired a private investigator, but little information is available. Though several family members may have differing theories on what may have happened to Logan, they all agree on one thing for certain, that they want Logan to come home. Logan Schindelman went missing in Tumwater, Washington on May 19, 2016, when he was 19 years old. He was last seen wearing a black windbreaker, a white t-shirt, jeans, and Nike sneakers. At the time of his disappearance, he was 6 foot tall and approximately 150 to 190 pounds. He has black hair, which he routinely shaves, and brown eyes with a scar on his forearm. He also has a severe peanut allergy and didn't have his EpiPen with him at the time he disappeared. That's not good. No. Currently, his case is classified as endangered missing. If alive, he would be 22 years old. If you have any information regarding the case, you can contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-786-5599. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of If I Go Missing. If you have any case suggestions, you can email me at the Megan Dewell. That's the M-E-G-A-N-N-O-E-L, at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at the Megan Noel or the podcast Instagram at Megan Noel Podcast. You can also go to Facebook and find the page for Megan Noel Podcast and all the discussion groups for the various podcasts that we host. This episode was compiled by me, hosted by me, and co hosted by Linda Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again next week.